Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. On Habits and Hustle today, we have Dr. Charles Brenner. Dr. Brenner is one of the world's foremost authorities in the emerging area of NAD. NAD is a molecule that is critical to the healthy function of the trillions of cells in our bodies. He serves as the Alfred E. Mann Family Foundation Chair in the newly created Department of Diabetes and Cancer Metabolism at the City of Hope. He is also the Chief Scientific Advisor to Chromadex, a global bioscience company behind the popular NAD boosting uh, supplement called True Niagen, which of course I'm a huge fan of and talk about all the time. Among his most significant discoveries, in 2004, he identified nicotinamide riboside, otherwise known as NR, as a precursor or a booster of NAD levels. His pioneering research has paved the way for NAD research around the world. So without further ado, here is Dr. Charles Brenner. So let's just go from the beginning. So what is, I mean, I've been a huge fan of NAD. I've been taking uh, True Niagen for, for two years at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people always ask me what it is and I describe it and still there's some confusion. So yep. in in the layman's of layman's terms, okay. can you explain what NAD is and what the purpose of it is? Yep, yep. So NAD refers to four things inside of cells that are called coenzymes. They're the central catalyst of metabolism. So metabolism is the set of processes that allows us to convert everything that we eat into everything that we are. Not only produce the ATP biological energy that runs our bodies, but our cells have to make their own DNA, RNA, and protein. Our cells have to repair themselves. Um, we don't eat bone in order to make bone, right? We don't, right? Right. We we can choose to eat liver or not, but we generate our own hepatocytes no matter what we eat, right? Right. right. And so all of those processes are metabolism. And metabolism is the key to life. It's what the difference is between living things and non-living things. And what we found over the years is that NAD comes under attack in conditions of metabolic stress. And so that's the use case for taking what are called the vitamin precursors of NAD. Mm-hmm. And 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 Pavel Biaganovsky and I in 2004 discovered the vitamin activity of NR that NR is an additional unanticipated vitamin that can allow our cells to rebuild NAD Mm -hmm. and basically help, you know, basically help everything run in the body. Okay. So let me just like kind of interject a little bit, right? So because NAD is something that we all have in our body, right? Yes. And so when I describe it to people, I always say something because this is how I I believe it to be, is that as you age, the levels of your NAD levels decrease, which makes your, it's it's basically connected to your mitochondrial function, correct? And then that decreases, which is why um, having um, a high supply, so to speak, of NAD in your body is really important. Um, so am I miss, what am I missing in that? Well, it's, 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 it's close ish. Ish. So, right. (laughs) So, 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 um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of reports of NAD declining in aging. Okay. Um, I I would say that we don't fully understand, you know, that story 
of in which tissues NAD is declining by how much and how that occurs. The way we see it, it you know, in our laboratory and when we look at the, the quality of the data, we really see NAD coming under attack at the NAD system being constantly barraged by conditions of stress. Right. So, for example, we live in the air and we go outside in the sunlight. Mm -hmm. Those are two things that attack the NAD system, like oxidative damage, reactive oxygen species from, from oxygen, um, churns, something called NADPH, which is one of the NAD coenzymes. Um, sunlight breaks our DNA. NAD plus comes under attack. The net result of all of those things um, probably is that NAD is declining in, in, in all our tissues as okay. a function of age. So, you know, that that's probably not wrong. Um, and probably NA not wrong. <laughs> probably <laughs> not wrong. I'm cautious. Yes. You know, I'm cautious. You I are. try not to get ahead of my of my skis. Yes. Right. Because I don't think that aging is one thing. Um, I think that I, NAD isn't even one thing. It's four things. And um so I don't I don't like to make you know outlandish claims that we we can't prove. What we see in the laboratory is we see very powerful effects of NR in um, you know in animal models, right? In in mouse and, and rat models. So we see protection against heart failure. We see protection against neurodegeneration. We see protection against alcoholic conditions in animals. Um, we see, you know, better exercise functions, so forth and so on. And then that is what's called hypothesis generating, right? So then we can go into human beings, mm -hmm. right? And in human beings, we've seen anti-inflammatory effects of NR. We've seen NR in a combination of, of supplements, um, accelerate time to to recovery from COVID. Right. right? Well, I, I mean, I have yeah. all these things. I mean, that's yeah. the thing that I find. So, cause a lot of people, like a lot of times, and, and I know because you got, you especially are very, very anti like making, you know, the, the claims of like it being a magic pill or uh -huh. you don't like when someone says it's anti-aging or aging in reverse because it's not Exactly it's not evidence-based. scientific. It's not evidence-based. Right. I mean, the thing is- but that's that how it's being sold, right? Like, that's how people understand it. So that's like simple. It's like the simplest way to understand it. For yeah, maybe. Um, I, I would say that, I would say that, you know, legitimately, yeah. um, protection of NR in, in different tissues um, protects cellular and tissue function, enhances resiliency, repair. Um, you know, NR is a- you know, we went through a, a process where there were patents and, you know, Chromadex, as you know, as I think you introduced me, um, decided to, you know, develop NR as a nutritional supplement so. as, as an ingredient. And and then when... Um, Is NR the main... So I know that because you, you also were the first to create, N, well, NR as a supplement, like you just said. Um, what is an N, what is a precursor? So what does, yeah, that, what does even that mean? mean? Yeah. yeah. So it basically means, so, so NAD are these four things inside cells that are coenzymes. And like most, many, many molecules and cells have what are called phosphates in them. Mm -hmm. And the phosphates are put on inside of cells. So there is no vitamin that has the phosphates already on, mm -hmm. Right. And NR is the biggest piece of NAD that can get into cells, Got right? It. Okay. So it's the biggest piece of NAD that cells can use to, 
to make NAD, right? So now your when, body can produce it on its own. Well, so, so yeah, because it's what's called, I mean, it's the key part, right? Right. So, um, you know, your, your, our bodies will make NAD just the same way a cow's liver makes NAD and liver is a great source of NAD, by the way. It in, is in part because it has so many mitochondria, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I was under. I, I actually was under. Like I was in the understanding that your body can produce it. Yes. So then, if you eat cow liver or whatever, yep. like chopped liver, yep, you can actually get a great source of. So so what? And the interesting milk? thing is, cow's milk. Uh, there's an NR in cow's milk. We we showed that a number of years ago. Um, foods really living things. Um, Whole foods with a small W and a small F yeah. contain NAD coenzymes in them. Okay. So minimally processed foods, when you're eating them, really have big supplies of NAD in them. The NAD breaks down in our digestion. Yeah. The NAD breaks down into the vitamin precursors that are then used in order to rebuild the NAD supply. Oh, okay. Right? Yep. Now, with... Um, age and metabolic challenges. And you don't have to be really old. Like you could be a 22 year old football player and feel like, you know, NR supplementation gives you an edge and allows you to repair after all of this contact and so forth and protects against, you know, um, the, the effects of, of the sport. Um, when, when you are um, eating food, your food is being broken down into these NAD precursors. You're using those precursors to rebuild the NAD supply, supplementing with the vitamin precursors basically enhances that process. But it's true that there's NR in milk, but really the source of NAD precursors mm -hmm. in food is really NAD. So it's a cycle of life. Living things have NAD in 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 it. Yeah. Um, they also have macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbohydrate. They have micronutrients. Everything gets broken down. Everything gets rebuilt. The rebuilding process is metabolism. NAD is critical for metabolism. Right. And NAD gets challenged by metabolic stress. So the use case for NAD precursor vitamins is that it allows you to keep your NAD stores full, resistant to these challenges, which even include things like coronavirus infection. We've shown in the laboratory that that attacks the NAD system. But like right? also with the longevity thing, I'm just gonna go back okay. to those things, right? Because yep. you were saying, yes, you can't make a longevity claim. However, it helps with your uh, resilience, it helps with recovery, it helps with your cellular health, it helps right. with, um, uh, being tired with your right. all, energy, all those things decline as you get older. Absolutely, right? they all decline. The repair declines as you get older, and all those things decline. So my and hypothesis so, would so, be: so your hypothesis is that it's it helps with aging, but I'm not going to say that because I can't test that. I know you can. So and and as and, a and actually, no one else can really either, right? So so the actual trials are done in conditions of metabolic stress. So right, right, like right. you're going to enroll people, right? And you can have an anti-inflammatory thing as an endpoint. You could see whether NR lowers those inflammatory markers. You can get an, a definitive answer to that in the course. Actually, in three weeks, there was a study in Birmingham, uh, UK okay. that showed 
that in three weeks, older men, placebo-controlled trial, had lower inflammatory markers if they were on NR. It even persisted after they switched over and were on the placebo, the fact that they had, had been on NR, their inflammatory markers were still lower. See? Right? So that was impressive, right? But you score that result as a win, right? Yes. You don't go back. You can't, you don't have the money to test them for their survival in 5, 10, 20 years, right? So that's why effective longevity trials, you know, are not practical. They're not really being done. There's something called the metformin TAME trial. I was going to ask you about metformin also. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I mean, so I the thing is the data show... Explain what metformin is for people who don't know what metformin is. It's basically is. It's a diabetes drug. Right. So it's a, right. A, a lot of people take it for longevity and anti-aging. So that's not, in my view, wise. You know? <laughs> why? And why? Explain. Because it actually inhibits mitochondrial function. It literally... <laughs> you just... that You said that your understanding, okay, yep, yep, yep. as a fitness person, yeah. is that... NR and NAD is good for mitochondria. Right. So I could show you data that metformin depresses mitochondrial function. How do you feel about it now? Okay. Well, no, that's this is why I find this is why I wanted to have you on so badly because there is such a there's such conflict. Like you know, one person says one thing, and I'm not the scientist. Yeah. I had I mean, you know I had Davis St. Clair on the other a, a while ago, and he was talking all about NAD as being you know a longevity drug. He, he takes it every day. Also metformin we talked about as well. Mm. And, you know, people build their uh, platform and business around using words like anti-aging or longevity because, A, I think it's easy and palatable for people to uh -huh. understand. Yep. But you're like the antithesis. You refute, you're like a scientist scientist unless you have clear, exact I mean, I guess what every, that's how I don't every want to hype, side, right? You, and, you're and, no, and, and, you're, you're and, about zero the, hype. I mean, the, the thing, the thing, the thing is that I actually think that hype hurts. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the metformin and, and rapamycin thing, you know, may be out, may be a, a great example of that, right? So you're taking drugs that are indicated for people that have conditions, right? Right. So, so, you know, metformin is used as a diabetes drug. It helps people that have diabetes control their, their blood glucose. Okay, that's, right. Their that's, blood that's, levels. That's, that's, right. That's, that's that's important, right? And you know, rapamycin was you know developed as um, an immune mod modulator that will allow people to do like you know that avoid graft versus host and, and other things. I really don't want to you know take something that is going to depress my immune system, right? Then some of the you know the the rapamycin fans come out and say, well. You know, it's immune modulating. It's it's upregulating this, and then it's downregulating that. Um, to me, it's not. You know, it's something that's sure it's being tested in dogs. It there's a lot of data on on, on mice, but um, I don't think that I think it's it's easily demonstrable that uh, prescription drug use is associated with shorter lifespans. It's easily demonstrable that for thousands of years, the claims that people have made about fountains of youth and, and, and anti-aging have been wrong and not evidence-based. So I'm just, I'm generally, my starting position is gonna be, I'm gonna take the other side of that bet. Okay, well I like, okay, so good. So I'm gonna go through a few of them. So you okay. said already, um, 
So um, metformin, because people, I think it's more of like um, a biohack, right? People are using it more for bio. They think if they're regulating their uh, blood sugar, that will help them with longevity. But they- How? But why are they taking, like, what is their, what is the other side's, um, like Some of those their, people what, yeah. are, are also keto and exactly, you know, and then and usually then, they are or right. they're intermittent fasting. Do you mm-hmm. like intermittent fasting? Uh, well, you know, it's extremely powerful in in mice, but of course, um, you know, you know, a, a mouse has a much more rapid metabolism, and you know, hour per hour comparisons of fast are much more severe in a mouse than they are in a human, right? right? And so, uh, you know, some of that stuff doesn't actually translate. So for example, um, uh, Ethan, Ethan Weiss, you know, who's a, you know, very accomplished cardiology professor at UCSF actually practiced uh, intermittent fasting for seven years. Okay. He believed in intermittent fasting. He set up a very wise, uh, well-controlled clinical trial of intermittent fasting versus non-intermittent fasting and basically could not demonstrate a benefit, you know? And so I, I, I think that the intermittent fasting idea is, you know, sciencey. And I think that it's very evidence-based in, in mice. Um, the idea that, and, and, and personally, I, for sure, over nutrition, over mm-hmm. eating is is bad and is associated with obesity and type two diabetes and you know orthopedic problems, uh, sleep apnea, you name it, right? Right. And 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 a lot of bad outcomes and a lot of shorter you know health spans, lifespans. But that doesn't mean that um, you know fasting. Um, is necessarily going to be a uh, lifespan extending thing. For me, I think that um, I'm a breakfast person. Okay, me so too. I get up, I have black coffee, I have breakfast, and then I can work, I can exercise, I can function fine. I don't eat too late at night. I think it is important to have you know the hunger cycle in there, but absolutely, am I on the clock about um, feeding, fasting? No. No, that's not a practice of mine. What? But how about? I, I, that's why. I, that's why I like love having you on. It's like you're the <laughs> you're the opposite of what so many scientists, doctors mm-hmm. have said on the show. Um, what about a, 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 apophagy? When the, autophagy? Apophagy. Autoph- autophagy. Okay, yeah, so sorry. autophagy, fascinating molecular mechanism, right? So the idea <clears throat> in autophagy is that um, you know uh, there are cells that have too much stuff and some damaged proteins and stuff yeah. like that. And so with some, you know, sort of nutritional deprivation, they turn over some of their molecules and then they kind of get refreshed and stuff like that. Absolutely. You know, we know that that's a mechanism in the lab. Um, you know, when people say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm fasting and my levels of this and that are such and such. And so I'm kicking up my autophagy. You know, I think it's kind of um, babble. You know, I, I, there, there's no measurement of their autophagy. And strangely, strangely enough, some of the same people that take, um, you know, rapamycin, right, are also taking like leucine and leucine-related amino acids that whose whose 
biochemical effect is to stimulate the Tor pathway right. in order to make more muscle, yeah, make more, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're literally taking leucine, which is going to like, you know, stimulate Tor. And then they're taking rapamycin, which is going to inhibit Tor. It's sort of like too many drugs, too many supplements, yeah, it, and it makes no sense. It's like it's like basically yeah. doing too many different diets at the same time. You get it's all basically counteracting each yeah, other. Yeah, it makes no sense. That's basically it. No it. Okay, so then how about um, okay, metformin? We got um, resveratrol. Resveratrol. Yeah. So resveratrol mm -hmm. is a perfectly nice antioxidant, right? Um, it's found in grapes, right? It's mm -hmm. also found in peanuts. And, you know, people have, it has a lot of, you know, proteins in human cells that it, you know, associates with. There's a lot of proposed mechanisms for beneficial effects of it. Um, there's right. a lot of things that it does in cell culture. There's a few things it does in mice. Um, I'm pretty doubtful of anything um, demonstrated that it does in people. One of the proposed mechanisms of resveratrol is that it binds to a human protein called SIRT1. It doesn't. Um, and then- It doesn't? No, 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 no. So this, where did this all come from? Because that was, do you remember a few, that was like the yeah. biggest craze, the biggest yeah, fad. Like yeah. things always cycle, right? Like now, I mean, yeah, that it was- came from a, It came from a series of, you know, peer-reviewed studies whose conclusions are not reproducible, right? So it was found, initially it was found in supposedly a yeast assay in which it made yeast to live longer, right? Right. So, um, and I've used that assay before and that assay depends upon a yeast gene called SIR2 and SIR2 is a perfectly nice yeast gene. The problem is, that um, you know, that increasing the lifespan of a yeast is not the same as increasing the lifespan of a worm, fly, or mouse, or human. And all of the subsequent stuff that was said about the SIR2 related genes in in worms turned out not to be true. In flies, turned out not to be true. It couldn't be demonstrated in in mice. Resveratrol was said to bind to the um, the yeast SIR2 protein and then to the human SIRT1 protein. It doesn't do those things. Now, um, there's a paper a few years ago that said, oh, here's the way it really does bind to human SIRT1. But if you look at the structure and how it supposedly binds to SIRT1, if that's true, then it couldn't have been discovered the way it was discovered by binding to yeast SIR2 because they don't have the same amino acid sequences like the protein structure. So it, the whole thing is a mess. It's a mess. And, and the people that um, were convinced to take resveratrol were really sold a bill, bill of goods. And anybody that is still defending it is not being evidence-based. Wow, that is unbelievable because that was like the big thing that everyone sure, was told yeah. to take. Yeah. Um, so ba basically, all these are just more, more just like myths, you know, metformin yeah. um, was veritable. Well, no, 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 you know, metformin, metformin's a medicine. It's a met, no, but I'm saying for, for the, for the uses of longevity. For oh, the uses. that's not a myth. That's also a weight hypothesis. Loss. Also weight loss. People would take it because they thought it would 
as your blood sugar is becoming more balanced, you obviously maybe lose more weight well, because so, you're not having those spikes of cortisol, you know, no, insulin. So, so, so no. So while the carbohydrate insulin hypothesis has also been pretty much debunked and, you know, so it turns out, so Kevin Hall, tremendous um, researcher at NIH has very carefully compared isocaloric diets, total number of calories, mm -hmm. um, that are low fat versus um, high fat, essentially. And, um, you know, according to the carbohydrate insulin model, carbohydrate insulin hypothesis, those diets should not behave the same way because according to the carbohydrate insulin hypothesis, it's all about carbs driving your insulin to sequester, you know, fat in the adipose, blah, blah, blah. And you'll never lose weight with a high percent carb diet. That's just not true. There's thousands of years of history in the Far East in which people had a high percent rice, high percent carbohydrate in their diet, high glycemic index food, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. And they were not overweight and they were not obese. And the obesity epidemic in the Far East is total calorie driven. And in fact, it's an increase in the amount of fat that is in the Asian diet is more animal products, more meat, more, more, more animal fat. It's uh, accompanied by a lower percent carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin Hall study where you look at, um, you know, diets that have very different compositions. It kind of comes down to calories in, cal calories out. Basically, if you're in an energy deficit, right? meaning you're expending more yeah. energies than you're putting into your body, then you're going to lose weight, right? So it's about sustainability. It's about if you're gonna do a lifestyle intervention that is going to you know, result in weight loss, it's gotta be something you can keep live with. Yeah. So if that turns out to be high fat, if that turns out to be keto, and it's a sustainable right. thing for somebody. Consistency. Then, then basically, and they are losing weight. They're losing weight because they're in a calorie deficit and because they can sustain their diet. That doesn't invalidate anybody else's experience that is on a low-fat diet that can also lose weight. Right, right, The right. key is can they sustain that? You know, how many cheat days do they have? Yeah, absolutely. Because when you yeah. said the whole thing, because that's like a bad word, right? Like it's people get very, very mad if you say calories in versus calories out. They think that's um, too uh, too simplistic, right? So if I, if I was just going to eat M&Ms and chocolate bars, but keep it at like my calorie count. There's day, actually data showing that there's a person that ate nothing but baked potatoes for a month or something like that. I can't cite the, the study. But potato actually has a pretty high satiety. It does. It number, also has a resistant right? starch in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, but it is a pretty high glycemic index food. And, but no um, fat. It, it has no fat. Yeah. Right. So it's essentially an almost an all carb it's diet. It's full carb. Right? Yeah. And, 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 um, you know, if that's, for me, would not be very pleasant. Um, I like baked potatoes. I, I would like it. to actually put some, you know, onion sour and, cream and, and, and onion. Why well, yeah. I, I do olive oil because I'm lactose intolerant. So, oh, okay. But, um, but um, you know, yeah, all the all the good stuff that yeah. you can put on it, it makes it much more enjoyable, right? But um, so calories in, calories out is not a mechanism. Calories in and out is a basically physical constraint 
on the way the body works. Right, right, right. right. And But there's a big thing about what calorie people are all like, what calories you're putting in, your body reacts different, body composition, all the other things that happen if you have. So like, a lot of that stuff is not evidence-based and it's it's really not evidence-based. It's like, it basically is anecdotal. As you well, everybody it. wants to, 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 to weight their own anecdotes, right? right? So people that swear by keto are the people that them. can that yeah. can sustain that diet. People that swear by low fat are the people that can that can sustain that diet. And and now, you know, basically I think that 2021 in terms of weight management is going to go down as the year in which, you know, semaglutide at 2.4 milligram per week was approved. So semaglutide. So there's something called um in they're called there's a bunch of different names. Incretins is one name. The other thing, they're called GLP-1 analogs or GLP-1 receptor agonists, GLP-1-RA. Okay. Okay. You can Google that. Everyone should have their Google open yep. when they oh, listen have, to this podcast have, have, have or have like a thesaurus. So, so I, think, I think there might be a trade name and I don't have anything to do with it. Okay. But the, I think the trade name is maybe Wagovi, but like scientists call it semaglutide. Okay. And it's related to something called GLP-1. Okay, GLP-1 actually helps your body make more insulin. Okay? okay, so the idea that something that helps your body make more insulin uh -huh. could help you lose weight is already a head scratcher for somebody uh that thinks that insulin is the enemy. Yes. Okay, insulin helps drive body into your adipose and your skeletal muscle. Insulin and all the other hormones, they're all functioning in physiology as something that are your friend until we have a problem and then things can get messed up. So by but the way, remember when I said to you, let's keep it very layman's oh, terms for these people, please. And for okay. me, those people okay. being me. So he, 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 the bottom line, bottom line What's is the 2021 se se semaglutide. Basically the, the way it works uh -huh. is by allowing people to follow through on their intentions to eat less. Okay. Basically it acts in the brain at the satiety mm -hmm. center. So it acts in a bunch yes. of different places. But I, I'm you, a big believer but, in that. But, but basically it gets people yeah. to feel full, right? To the point that you want it, it's amazing actually what the what the what the um what the uh, side effect is, right? What is it? So the side effect is it can make people feel nauseous. Well, you know that feeling that you feel like late in in thanksgiving dinner yes when like someone brings out of the kitchen the third pie <laughs> yeah, yeah. like the pecan <laughs> yes. or whatever but yeah. you already had the apple and the pumpkin yeah absolutely. right and you would have loved that pecan like two pies ago yes but there's, there's a point where it's like no you know right yes yeah so so it turns out that people don't have you know the problem with overweight and obesity it's not a failure of willpower. It's actually the brain gets programmed to defend a level of fat. And um, basically, the, this new class of, of drugs, and I know this is a lifestyle thing where you're not pushing drugs, and I'm not really pushing anything, but um, they allow people to feel the satiety as their body gets full. And so it's it's actually amazing, and and I think that I heard is that is that that, that um, it was it's a is that the needle? It's like a once a week injection. Well, There's going to be an oral version of it. As I well. told yeah. okay. First of all, 
I and of course I've got no dog in the game for this. Yeah. I heard about that. Does that actually work though? It really works. Like fifteen percent weight loss in 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 six or twelve months. And and what compared to the same guidelines? So they basically they'll randomize people and they say try to eat less, move more, right? Which we know sort of right. doesn't generally work, right? right? right. Mm -hmm. But enrollment in a in a trial gives you some responders. Okay, yeah. you get some people that will lose weight on the placebo, right? You you see, it's, it's called a waterfall plot. You see the, the the a few people that will gain weight. There's a lot of people in the middle that had no effect because it was on placebo. And then you see, see some responders and those are the people that are like really coachable or whatever. And they didn't get any semaglutide and yet they lost some weight over this trial, right? Right. Then you compare that group. Yep. So remember, I cautioned you against anecdotal data because your friends are not the same as everybody, right? Right, exactly. So then you, but you enrolled people that had the same, only they had an intention for weight loss, they're overweight, right? And then you see the whole curve shifted where there's much greater weight loss, much greater compliance, basically. The, there's no magic. They all had different whatever they eat at, in their all of their different homes, in their yeah, hundreds of yeah. different homes. But the people that were losing weight basically um, were able to sustain an energy deficit, and so they lost weight. So, okay, so what's that thing called, though? The the shot. It's a shot, isn't it? Yeah, Wagovi, I think, is the trade name. It's it's. A, Can anybody? T I mean, do you have do you have to be a certain? You have to be obese. Do you have to be a certain BMI. Like, what is the well? Insurance is going to be the problem in the U.S. Right, and um, so so, but I mean, there there ought they ought to become more available. You know, especially for people that you know over overweight is you know. And, and obesity, you know, are, are conditions that challenge people's health and well-being, their ability to work. And no, I and saw stuff, a whole so, I saw a whole yeah. article on yeah. this, and then yeah, it's a big but deal. It, it's a huge deal. But then, don't you have to be taking it your whole life then? Because once you stop, what happens? Um, I don't know. Or does it? I mean, pro, does or is it neuroplasticity? You get used to it. You know, eventually? It, it may be. It may be that you know, after substantial, you know, weight loss, then you have a different set point, and yeah. you might be able to go off it. But. Um, I would say, given the safety of it, I would say, you know, it's way safer than a lot of other things that people do, oh my including God. crazy dieting, right? Absolutely. Non-sustainable dieting. I, I have a, I have a girlfriend who tried, who's um, unfortunately very, very overweight. And, you know, she tries everything, every program, yep. keto, this. And then what happens is, like, to your point, like you're doing so many different things, yep. everything's counteracting. And she's more overweight than she was even before she started this whole yeah this, you know yeah. spiral we don't, yeah we don't want to create um sort of orthorexia or you know mishigas about how you Michigas, you I love want it. food right you don't i mean people you want people to restore balance mm -hmm. you know eat when they're hungry um and you know to, to my mind if there's a medication that allows people to do that i think it's a great thing it's time to get back to the beach with America's favorite vacation company, Apple Vacations. Book your summer getaway with confidence and enjoy a one-stop vacation shop filled with exceptional values, personalized service, and so much more. With popular destinations like Mexico, the Caribbean, Central America, Hawaii, and the continental U.S., 
There's a sunsplash option for everyone. Each all-inclusive Apple Vacations package includes round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, all meals, drinks, entertainment, and tips. Non-stop transfers are also included at no additional cost at select hotels. And for a limited time, you can take $75 off your stay at Ibero Star Hotel and Resorts with promo code SUN75. Don't wait. Go to applevacations.com slash habits dash hustle to get the steal of a deal to your favorite Ibero Star Hotel and Resorts today. Let's get back. I'm, I'm curious about this, the aging yep. and then lo- and the longevity yep. stuff. So if you won't say, because you, it's the, it, that's not your thing to say NAD, I'm just going back. Oh, I'm just sure. kind of circling back, um, that it's a long, it's good for longevity or anti-aging. What is good for longevity and anti-aging? Is there anything? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, we, we, we know that, um, you know, public sanitation. Um, we know that clean food and clean okay. water oh, okay. and vaccination and probably not having a gun in the home and, you know, uh, being, you know, protected from infection. And um, I think it's demonstrable that um, uh, I'm not sure if the data are, are the same in men and women, but like for a man to be married is actually good for his longevity. Oh, for maybe, his longevity. maybe it hurts yours. I don't. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I was going to say I don't uh, know that everyone know, would say that. But, that's for sure. But um, but what, what you know, if you fight a, a lot? Then it's not um, good for your longevity. Pro- probably not. Probably right. not. But um, you know, I, I I don't know if there are you know really good data, but you know, I would tend to think that a positive you know outlook on life is is good. Um, but you're just um, saying a medicine, lot of like, yeah, you're just saying a lot of um, like platitudes. Medicine uses, um, prescribed medicine use is probably associated with, see, the thing is you could call anything a longevity drug, like, an, like a, a type one diabetic needs insulin, right? So if you deprived a type one diabetic of insulin, okay. they could go into shock and, and die. Right. Right. But, but, you know, endocrinologists don't call insulin a longevity drug. Right. right. It's just a, it's just a, a sloppy term. So, okay. um, however, can I interrupt? Yeah. Why is it that I feel like in the last probably five years, maybe the uh, last four years, you've been hearing a lot of hype around NAD and NR, but before that you really weren't like, you're hearing much more about res, I can never pronounce it, resveratrol. resveratrol. Um, and, and that was more the mainstream one, but NAD is still not mainstream by any means, but it's still being, I feel like it's getting much more well known than what number well, one. Well, NAD is the key to life. It's I key mean, to life, it's, but it wasn't something that if you go right now to like ten people, I would guess eight out of ten of those people won't know what NAD yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's what I was going to say. And, yeah. this, and the second thing is, um, then if it's not really proven for longevity, anti aging, why would someone take it, and who should be taking it? Yep. So I would say the conditions of metabolic stress that attack the NAD system right. are like essentially sunlight. inevitable. I back when in the day when um I used to give these, you know, big presentations in crowded rooms, you and I are are both vaccinated and sitting in your 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 kitchen with um air circulation. But barely um, air circulation. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing okay. But um, you know, I, I used to say, okay, show fans, how many people would um you know, if we had a giveaway, would um, hop on a jet, 
um, many time zones fly to Ibiza, you know, sit out in the sun, um, listening to loud music, um, drinking wine, and eating lots of food into, late into the night. Everybody would, like every aspect of that sounds amazing, right? Right. So sunlight, you know, disrupts your DNA, um, air, and probably, you know, some of the air travel, there's a, like radiation exposure. Um, the loud music we know in animal studies, uh, sufficient noise to induce hearing loss. So that's probably, you know, gr greater than the music, but maybe, you know, right up against the speakers that attacks the NAD system. Right. Mm. Um, how, uh, why? It's just because it's not entirely clear how and why not entirely clear, but many conditions of metabolic stress attack the NAD system. Alcohol, we know how yeah. that works. So that leads to a direct effect in the liver. We know that's operational in human beings. We've actually looked at what's called the NAD metabolomes in, in, in the liver of people that have alcoholic liver disease. We published that. Um, over nutrition, meaning eating too much. Mm -hmm. We know from animal studies that um, the NAD system is disturbed, again, in the liver. Mm -hmm. In animals that are overfed, we know that NR is corrective, protects against fatty liver development in, in overfeeding. So, um, and now, now I barely drink now and I'm not, you know, over, overfed, but, um, we are in conditions, we are exposed to inevitable conditions mm. of metabolic stress. And, um, you know, when the immune system gets activated, um, it's actually burning some NAD. Um, so we think that there's a use case of, of NR potentially in, in prevention of infectious diseases, which are a huge cause of mortal mortality and morbidity. So if someone ever did an NR longevity yeah. trial, you know, it may be fewer deaths from, you know, from infection, you know, that, but, but I would personally, I would rather do an infection trial because I can complete an infection trial. Right. In a, you know, distinct amount of time. But what, with your example that you just gave, going to Ibiza, drinking, yep. Yep. And loud music, um, that would mean if it's, if it, if NAD is being disrupted or decreased by those, you know, yep. by, by the stress of your body, yeah. um, I would say then why wouldn't teenagers take it or young adults? So why are people yeah. who are usually over the yeah. age of, you tell me, 35, 40 years old, yeah. the ones who are really well, I mean, I acclimating know, to I know it, there gravitating are, to There it. are athletes, you know, that have been tons given of athletes. it, right? There's a lot of athletes, right? Yeah, tons so of there's athletes. A, there's Fitness athletes, people there's athletes in, you know, in college, university programs and pro, and they're, you know, they're much younger. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're involved in conditions of metabolic stress. Um, you know, the kids, they drink a lot, they go out late, they do all those things. Why are they not the ones who are, I don't know. There's potentially a use case there. Right. Maybe yep. you should do a case. Maybe you should, maybe that should be your next lab study of some kind. Well, I, there was something proposed when I was at the university of Iowa, there were things that were proposed that related to some kinds of behaviors like, like binge drinking or, and I didn't really want to do those, those types of interventions, right. but uh, they could be done. They for sure. I mean, so because if all those things are stressing your body, it would it shouldn't be a drug for people who are aging. Then it should be a drug for really anybody and everybody. Well, we're all aging. I mean, that's right? what I say. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, and you know, a 16 year old or because you know, 
me being 29. No, I'm joking. <laughs> or my friends or whatever. I'm 59. Oh, so just you're full disclosure. You're yeah. 59. I mean, people are taking it who are, um, are on the aging path quicker than a 16 year old, let's say. Okay. So then let's talk about NR. So NR is yep. what, um, you are also the godfather of, or the pioneer of creating that into the supplement. So as a precursor that helps your body uh, create NAD on its own by itself. Yeah, basically, yeah. So N NR was kind of a known compound when I um, started working on it, but it was it was really no it was known to be like a growth factor for this weird bacterium that nobody like twelve people in the world wanted to grow that bacterium, right? Oh. So I sh I essentially I discovered the vitamin activity of NR, okay. right? And then yeah, it was developed uh, by by Chromadex. So the, yeah, the idea is that uh, you take it orally and then it supports your body, you know, keeping NAD levels in, in multiple tissues. Okay. So when I had David St. Clair on, he was talking about something called NMN, right? What, okay. So, and then I saw later on that you guys had a little bit of like a Twitter, like a Twitter, um, conversation so conversation, to speak. Okay. yeah conversation <laughs> that's a euphemism for battle perhaps over how it gets into your body better is it the nr system is it the nmn and it looks like you won the battle a little bit but i mean yeah so well it's i mean it's it's not even a little bit decided science <laughs> it looks like I mean, you won the battle it was decided science in 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 the sense that um you know if you take the body yeah so you could take you, I, I just said to you that, you know, we could we could we could eat um, unprocessed foods and they have NAD mm -hmm. in it, right? So NAD is going to break down. NAD gets split into two pieces. It's NMN. NMN gets further, you know, um, digested. Basically, it's NR. NR could be further digested. It's going to be nicotinamide. And even one step further, it's going to be nicotinic acid. The last three things that I mentioned, NR, nicotinamide, and nicotinic acid, are the vitamins. Okay? Mm -hmm. NMN. It's a smaller particle. Yeah, they're a small part, and they can get into cells. And, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that David knows that NMN doesn't get into cells intact. So there's been some obfuscation uh, on that. But um, NMN has to have the phosphate removed before it can get into cells. NMN is, is, it basically is going to act as NR, you know, after it gets, you know, in, into your, your body, the phosphate's going to be removed. NR is going to get into a cell and then the phosphate has to be put okay, on again. Okay, this makes no sense to me. Okay, yeah. you lost me. Okay, so, okay, so <laughs> I'm like, okay, honestly. Okay, so yeah. basically NMN, okay, so if someone is, uh, what is, if I took NMN versus taking NR, well, the first problem with that is like, who's making that NMN and We're, why yeah. do you think there's NMN in it? That's the first problem. So is there an actual supp an NMN supplement? Uh, yeah, there are, there are NMN supplements, but their safety, you know, dossiers are, are basically unknown to me. I mean, there might be one that is um, claiming by themselves to be generally regarded as, as safe, but I don't believe that there are any NMN supplements that have anything near the safety dossier of the NR that was commercialized by, by Chromatex. So the first question is, do you know what you're getting? Is there NMN in there? And are there other contaminants in there? 
you know, that, that you'd be exposing yourself to. So to me, it doesn't seem like a super safe activity. The second is, let's say there is an amend there. Okay. So you would need for, you know, 300, I guess you said you were taking 500 milligrams of um, niagen, which is NR chloride. You'd have to have 550 or 600 milligrams of NMN to have the same effective amount of an NAD precursor. Because why? Because NMN is bigger, has this phosphate on, right? Then the only thing that's going to happen is um, your body is going to take the phosphate off. The NR is going to get into your cell. So at best, NMN should be acting as NR. So there's, it's hard to understand the use case of NMN other than some folks went out there and, and advocated for it. There are animal studies that show NMN essentially does the things that NR does. Okay. But, um, you know, the, the data indicate that the phosphate comes off and that NMN is acting as NR. So I don't So really, why not just take NR basically? Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna take a um, if you're if the idea is to take a vitamin to replenish your NAD, the choices are nicotinic acid, which causes flushing, right? Okay. What do you mean flushing? Flushing means you, you think you're hot now. If yes. you take um, nicotinic acid at like 250 milligrams, um, your face will turn red and you'll your extremities will be hot. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. And um, and then nicotinamide. Um, not a lot of people have advocated for really high dose nicotinamide, um, in, in like mice, it's one of the ways to induce type one diabetes. So it's sort of like not considered to be the world's best thing right. in high amounts in low amounts is great. Um, you know, in, in ni niacinamide, vitamin B3 right. as niacinamide is in small amounts in multivitamins, nothing wrong with that. But no one has really made a, very few people have made a, a strong argument for really high amounts of, 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 of nicotinamide. Right, right. But the other advantage of nicotinamide riboside and R is it doesn't, okay, so it doesn't cause flushing. It's not associated with the negative effects that have been seen in nicotinamide and when NAD comes under attack, the NR pathway, the gene pathway that, that basically my group discovered, that pathway gets ramped up. So basically the stressed cell and tissue is telling us that it's looking for NR in order to fill up its NAD stores. And, and, and nicotinamide and NR don't work identically in some of those models. So like there's a heart failure model where the NAD is come, coming under attack, the heart, the, the mouse heart is losing its NAD, right? Mm -hmm. And it's losing its expression, it's, sorry, it's, it's gene expression okay. for turning nicotinamide into NAD while it's turning up the NR pathway. So we give those animals side by side, nicotinamide doesn't really restore their NAD, we give them NR, restores their NAD and their cardiac function. That's okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Then how about um, other other stuff like NR and Alzheimer's, NR and Parkinson's? All being tested. Yeah, all being tested. 
And what, so far, do you have any type of data that so you So there's share? something that just came out um, on Alzheimer's that was a placebo-controlled study of NR um, in what's called the nutritional cocktail or something like that. It's this four supplement. It contains some leucine, carnitine, and N-acetylcysteine in addition to NR. Okay. And um, they're reporting... Um, a benefit of um, of this nutritional cocktail in Alzheimer's patients um, haven't carefully looked at at the study that's being reviewed. Um, there's something I'm involved in um, that is being reviewed that I won't I won't uh, talk about yet. But um, Can you give I us think, a little hint. Well, you know, there's there's more and more studies of of, of NR in in neuroprotection. And uh, for sure that there are studies in, you know, in Parkinson's, in mild cognitive impairment, you know, which is, you know, it's a kind of a people that are progressing in, into Alzheimer's. And, you know, I'm excited by, by, the, by the trials. The, the, the mechanism is that NAD is coming under attack and that NRs, you know, supporting their blood flow, their cognition and, and so forth. So do you, what's the minimum amount, like, that someone should be taking. What's the maximum? I know it's all over the board. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't talk about my own dose because I don't feel like I'm like I'm not your doctor and you know and stuff. So um, the 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 basic product was you know introduced at 300 milligrams per day as a typical consumer dose. Uh, there's something called TrueNigen Pro that um, you know doctors' offices can get, practitioners can get. Um, that so 500 milligrams is a higher dose, and then most of these that's what I take. And most of these therapeutic trials are kind of one gram a day, or even one to two grams a day. We know is safe. And then, do you cycle it? Like I, I thought, like did your body? Can your body acclimate um, to to anything? Like any supplement, right? So does it better to like go, do like a month on, a week off? Like you know, cycle things like I you don't. Would. I don't have a. Like you I know, do my allergy basis medication. for doing that. Um, you know, we think it's, you know, it's sustainable. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are, you know, there's always longer term trials that are, that are being done. But, um, you know, we, we think it's, you know, safe to take. And um, most people take it in the morning. I know some people that take it, you know, in the evening. And I think that the one gram, the two gram people probably split it one, one and one. Um, but that that's kind of done in um, like disease trials and stuff. Wow. How about um, just in general, like how did you even like get into doing this research? Yeah. What were you doing before? Like give me some of your background or, you know, you didn't just one day be like, you know what? I want to really kind of figure out this whole NAD problem. Yeah, I, w I was. <laughs> or maybe <basically>, you did. <laughs> no, I was minding my own business, you know, 2003, four, uh, working on an enzyme, which is, you know, what biochemists love to do, right? Pretty yeah. nerdy stuff. <laughs> and, um, and, you You're know, I, 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 I like, you know, I like this particular enzyme and, you know, uh, we have a phrase in science that did not escape my notice <laughs> that, um, this enzyme's product, the, the, the thing the enzyme is there for yep. is to make NAD, right? I know that NAD is a central catalyst of metabolism, right? So I think, gee, I wonder what else is known about NAD and whether other people might be interested in NAD. And then, and then I started questioning what I call the received wisdom 
of how NAD is made, which is like NAD, there's an arrow coming from tryptophan. It takes eight different enzymes to make NAD from tryptophan. There's an arrow coming from nicotinic acid that takes like three enzymes or uh, to make uh, NAD that way in, in a yeast cell. Yeah. And then there's an arrow coming from nicotinamide and people thought that they knew all of the ways to make NAD. And I thought, you know what? I can, as like a side project of how I'm figuring out this enzyme. Right. I want to see if the received wisdom on making NAD is correct. Maybe something's wrong. You, you know, I don't believe everything that I'm told, right? right? That's so, for sure. Go <laughs> so, so I want to see if it's correct. And, and I want to see if the parts, even if they are correct, are complete. I didn't actually find anything that was wrong other than it was incomplete and that there was this NR pathway. And then we could see from the genes and the sequences of the genes that this pathway exists from yeast all the way to human beings. And that NR would not only have vitamin activity in, in, in yeast, right. but that, um, that it would have vitamin activity in, in humans. And then, then subsequently, um, you know, we and others have been able to see that the NR genes, the NR kinase genes, get ramped up just when your body needs NAD. So that's kind of the unique aspect of NR. Okay. Is it's not only not flushing, doesn't have the, you know, the the, the side effects right. of high nicotinamide, but it's the precursor that, that stress cells want. So we think that it has a higher value to 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 the body. Wow. Now What's the next, like, what's next though? Are you, are, are you, re besides finishing or doing more research on, of course, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, is there anything else that you're working on, even at City of Hope? Yeah, so I'm not cool doing, or interesting? I'm, I mean, I, I, I collaborate with groups that are doing the neuroprotection. I do a lot of what are called NAD metabolomes. So I analyze what happened to the to NAD system. My, my group is blinded. So think, you know, the samples come in with a number on them and we analyze them and, and then the stuff gets unblinded. We we look at the data, but um, we're interested in a number. Th one thing that we're interested in is I know you know you're you're a mom, so um, you've undergone the amazing process that is po postpartum. And I'm not referring to depression. I'm just referring to the fact that you had kids. Yes. So at the moment that <laughs> you had a kid, yep. your body went from this amazing transformation of producing. This child, this child, yes, to twice, to, to, yes. twice to um, now your body transforms again suddenly, right? Not so sudden, but okay. But no, but uh, the prolactin program, the prolactin program gets turned on immediately. Oh wow! The hormones change immediately, and immediately your body is trying to mobilize your protein, fat, and lipid to the, your mammary to produce this amazing substance, milk that was, you know, evolved to produce all of the nutrition for the baby. Wow. Whether mom chooses to do that or not, that's the program, right? And um, so we discovered using rodent models that postpartum is an example of metabolic stress to the NAD yeah, system. And that sure. her liver gets supported by oral nicotinamide riboside. She can accelerate and increase her weight loss she can produce more milk, the milk has a higher quality, and even the offspring development is better if the mom is supplemented. So there are people oh, wow. at UC, yeah, it's really cool. So there are people at UC Davis 
that are going to do clinical trials on this, you know, to improve um, mom's lactation and in the context of preemies yeah. and non-preemies as well. I think there's two trials. Oh, wow. And then, um, and then I want to see the quality of the milk. And then I want to understand, um, I want to understand the mechanisms of all that. Like what's, what's it doing for the mom and how's it doing that and stuff like that. Well, so again, like how did, so how did you, when did you start with the city of hope or when did you get just August, August of 2020? Yeah, I was, I was going backwards. I was, I was head of biochemistry at university of Iowa, um, 2009 to 2020. Okay. Six years, the six years prior. So 2003 to 2009, I was at Dartmouth. Right. In the frozen north of New Hampshire. Right. I, I saw that. That's yeah. part of your bio. And then the seven years prior to that, I was in Philly at Thomas Jefferson University. And then the three years prior to that, I was a postdoc at Brandeis in Boston. And at Stanford also. For, and then for, the, for, yeah. Four and a half years prior to that, I was a graduate student at Stanford. Oh my gosh. Yep. And then I did biotech actually in the San Francisco Bay Area as well for five and a half years. I graduated from college in 1983. My gosh. So yeah. like, have you always just been, even as a kid, like would it, A, what, do you have any hobbies besides yeah. this kind yeah, 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 yeah. of, besides yeah, yeah. NAD yeah, yeah. and yeah. what do you yeah. like to do? Um, I like building things um, with my hands. Okay. I like trying to fix things. Um, I don't always succeed. Okay. Um, I like gardening. I like I build raised bed gardens. I grow things. Um, Do you I, hang around all other scientists? No, 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 and no. I go to a gym and, and academic. And yeah, I love I love hiking. Okay. Um, my new gym is a climbing gym, so I'm trying oh, to learn the the wall, the bouldering fun. thing. Yep, I like being a novice. Novice, yeah. right? I like the rate of growth. So, so um, there I am on the wall doing V zero, V one, whatever the easiest routes are up and. Was your family but, all scientists too? No, 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 no doctoral degrees before mine. No scientists. Like what? It, like what made you feel like this is what you wanted to do? You, oh, as, so as a as like a young okay. Know, so I went to Wesleyan. I went to Wesleyan. I w- I was going to be a bio major to do ecology. Okay. Right. Then they said, "Wait, we're not that great at ecology. You should learn molecular biology here." Right. So I learned molecular biology. I was in a, a fly lab, uh-huh. Drosophila melanogaster, and then. I the had words, the charming, I mean, yeah, I mean, I so literally, that's a fly. I'm, that's a fruit fly. Okay, it's thank a fruit you. Fly. It's okay, a fruit thank fly. you. Can you just dumb it down? Okay, please. Um, I'm sorry. It's just like too please. many. Please. Too many syllables, right? <laughs> Way so, too many. So, so then, I can't even say present. So, I still can't say that word. As a mom, you're going to like this. Okay. So I had the quaint idea that you go to college not to be a burden on your parents to get a job, right? And to support yourself. Oh, my god. My son actually agrees my son did the same thing my Wait, son what does your son do now he, he he works at a credit union in, in iowa city got his degree from university of iowa okay interviewed for one job got the job salary and benefits day one it was amazing and he's so, happy so, and fine yeah he's happy he's great okay so um and shout out shout out to freeman brenner <laughs> so um so uh so i wanted to you know support myself Right. right. What do you do with the biology degree graduating in 1983? Biotech. Not even called biotech at the time. Right. It was called the genetic engineering industry. And it started in Route 128 Strip in Boston, which is basically where I'm from. Um, okay. And, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area, yeah. which is where I ended up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I basically, yeah. So basically, I wanted to 
you know, use what I learned in college. And then I was in two different environments. Um, basically one is Chiron Corporation. And um, then was I was at DNAX Research Institute, DNAX, uh, which was owned by Shearing Plow at the time already. But both of them had a really, you know, research component to them, even though they had, you know, profit motive. They also taught me how to how to um, function as a team because you have fully formed PhD scientists at both of those organizations that could put their brains together with with teams and get a project done, which is kind of rare in academia where it's like a little fiefdom. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I learned something really valuable about doing science and organization of science right. when I, in my biotech era. But I also realized I'm going to hit a glass ceiling there without a PhD. So I stayed in the Bay Area, but I went to Stanford. It got my P PhD there. Wow. And so basically then uh, you're doing all this stuff with a team of people then, all this. Like, oh, you can't do it by myself. You can't like, yeah. so how many, how big is your team? Not big enough now. We're rebuilding having moved, but, you know, we have a very talented, um, you know, uh, lab manager, technician, Jeff Hagelin, actually he's from my alma mater, Wesleyan University. Uh, I have a research assistant professor, Abdallah Elkal, um, who was like spent a, a decade at Harvard, you know, doing NAD related things. It's very complimentary to my own. Um, I have um, a postdoc, um, uh, Dr. Udo, um, we call her, and she's phenomenal. She came from kind of a DNA repair uh, background. And I have a new um, graduate student. Um, his name is a little hard uh, to pronounce also. But um, he goes by Hi Fam, so Hi Fam, um, <laughs> and um, you know he's working on NAD metabolism. So we're we're kind of like split between you know cancer, which we want to kill by right. understanding something about NAD, and then metabolic you know diseases that we want to prevent and treat. And that's kind of a unique thing about our unit at City of Hope. So then, can I ask you a question? Then because that one thing we didn't talk, I mean talked about you know, the Alzheimer's and yep. everything else is can there can NAD or something help with cancer because you just meant that's yeah. one thing is there any kind of research being done on that yeah. yeah so so that's like two two or three part question um so one is that we've had data for a long time and publish it that NR is active in like a mouse model of diabetic neuropathy and then in a, in a rat model of chemotherapeutic neuropathy. So dose limiting side effect of a lot of cancer chemotherapy drugs is neuropathy. And, you know, Donna Hammond, my former colleague at University of Iowa was really interested in that. And so we showed NR is protective in, in rats. And then she's gone on to show doesn't increase tumor incidence and looks like, you know, from the animal data, it ought to be safe. And then she's testing it in, um, in women that are undergoing cancer chemotherapy to see whether it prevents against neuropathy, which is great. Um, so there's some animal studies that show that by improving um, you know, DNA repair, it could be protective. There's a huge study in Australia showing that daily um, uh, B3 nicotinamide was protective against um, skin cancer you know, which is, you know, very high incidence yeah. in Australia. 
So we think that, you know, um, NR would be safe, you know, in the context of, of cancer. But um, my uh, collaborator, um, Dr. Ranjit Bindra at Yale University, um, and I discovered that there's certain tumors that have dysregulated NAD where you could target NAD. You want to knock NAD down basically to kill tumors, not in every person's cancer. Like it's not going to be a breast cancer drug, but it'll be a drug for tumors that have a dysregulated NAD system. So it could work for some fraction, maybe 20% of breast cancer, maybe 20% of a glioma mm -hmm. population, maybe 20% of this. And so it'll be combined with a companion diagnostic. So, so Ranjit and I um, are co-founders um, uh, with Kevin Rakin of a new company that um, is getting off the ground in order to target uh, uh, NAD and cancer. Wow. So how do people find more information? They want to know more about your research, what your findings are. Good, good, good. Uh, where um, can they okay, find so you? Okay, so BrennerLab.net. So they can go to HTTP BrennerLab.net. Um, they can they can follow me on Twitter. Um, it's Charles M. Uh, Brenner. And um, I actually answer questions about NAD almost every day. Do you? Um, yeah, on Twitter. And so you, and, get, you, um, you, get, you respond to people. You get yeah, back to I people. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm pretty accessible. Good. And um, and um, yeah, they can look at our, our lab website. And um, yeah, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. They can also go to Chromadex or TrueNiogen.com. There's a lot of information there if you want. But uh, you've been a pleasure. Thank you. Although Thanks. I didn't, I got to go back and listen to it three more times because okay. I didn't really understand right. everything okay. and try to listen very intently. Okay. Um, I literally said to you before we start, please keep it like in layman's terms. I so failed I know miserably. You, I think, but you know, given some of the other interviews, I think this was actually uh, an improvement because. You, oh, I, I've been worse in the past. Well, I don't know if you've been worse. Maybe they, maybe the host has been smarter. I don't know, or been better. But I think no. I think that yeah. I think I kind of followed. I hopefully people followed the majority. Great. But hopefully. I said to everyone, please have Google open and please have either a thesaurus or someone who's in the science world beside okay. you, Great. so you can All stop right. and pause and okay. kind of continue. Cool. Cool. But thank you so much Thanks. for coming on. Pleasure. And All right. Take bye. Care. Bye. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously. 
which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.